If you spend enough time in the fitness game, particularly around the rate room or the gyms, the topic of performance enhancing drugs is going to come up. And in this episode, I sat down with Caleb Disney. He's one of our guys here that we've worked with for quite some time. And we're going to talk about the realities of PEDs, the good, the bad, the ugly, use cases, common questions and misconceptions. And we'll even fill in some of the gaps. And when you're done, go on over and check out rdftrainonline.com. There you're going to find all the goodness that Red Dot Fitness provides, whether that be one-on-one individual training. We also have our online membership, which includes several different training programs that you would have access to as an online member. Or we have some self-guided programs there as well. Maybe you're not into any of that right now and you're just looking for some uh, some guidance on some things. We have several free guides when you're there. Or maybe even check out some of the other products like nutritional supplements and what those things can do for you. So again, head on over to rdftrainonline.com, rdftrainonline.com. If there's questions or something we can help you with, one of the cool things is you can just pick up the phone and call us. One of our staff members will be here to pick it up and answer whatever we can for you and help you in whatever way we possibly can. If you're more of an email or text type of person, you can DM us on Instagram or you can hit the contact page when you hit rdftrainonline.com. Just send us an email and we will get back to you promptly. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Caleb Disney, back in the house, Iron Sights Podcast Studio. What is up? What's going on, man? Uh, well, what is going on is we've spent uh, quite a bit of time together. I have you in town for a few days. So we're trying to cram in a ton of work. Yes. Um, I love having you around because it's a different kind of conversation. Um, it's the kind of conversations I loved having with you when you were local and here in the Bay Area. Uh, you're not here anymore. So whenever I get you face-to-face... Uh, it's a good time for me. So thanks for joining me once again for another uh, another episode. Always, man. I'm really happy to be here. Love coming back. Yeah. It, the the relationships that we've built here over time uh, and the fact that we've got like this platform now to connect on mm-hmm. uh, makes me super happy. Seriously. So, and, and that said, this platform has also given me an opportunity to connect with so many different people in so many different areas um, in, in the world that I'm interested in exploring. Right. right. And that's not everywhere, but there are some things that I really like getting into and uh, the fitness component, training, nutrition, uh, you know, the lifestyle coaching stuff is something that always comes up when I'm out interacting with folks, whether it be in other gyms, uh, when I'm on vacation, I'm on the road, out walking the dog on the range, shooting, connecting with, with, with other people sort of in the, uh, you call it the preparedness community if mm-hmm. you want, or just in life. And, uh, one of those things that always comes up when, you know, we talk is the workouts Yes, and, you know, people generally start to ask the same questions as a starter and mm-hmm. then it can kind of go different directions. But the questions that often get asked are, you know, the same ones that have always been asked for like the last 25 years. Like, how do I do a better job at building muscle and losing fat? Right. And, you know, I just had this one. I was sharing this with somebody the other day. I was at the hardware store. I was in a rush trying to fix a broken <laughs> washing machine. It was leaking water all over the, the back room, <laughs> the back room here. And I get to the, I get to the front of the line that dude's asking me, he asked behind the counter says, how do I lose my man boobs? And I'm like, 
but you you want that answer right now right. while I'm tapping my card and yeah. entering my pin number. Yeah. Uh, but my, my point of this is, is there's so much to talk about all the time. And so when I get an opportunity to kind of really hone in on a topic with a guy like you, particularly around um, bodybuilding, physique training, that's the world you love to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I really, I, I guess I just really value the, the little nuggets that I continue to get and the things that I continue to glean from these conversations. And in the world that I play in and the type of stuff that I do, particularly at my age, uh, you know, guys are always looking for an edge mm. athletically yeah. yep. and in the game of life. Yes. A lot of the guys, you know, that I train with or train around have had illustrious backgrounds and whatever. Um, you know, it's a lot of guys in the BJJ, a lot of guys in law enforcement, ex-law enforcement, military, ex-military, run it, you know, special operations and things like that. And then other, other people that haven't done none of that, but are really, you know, have really taking, taken responsibility in charge for their physique, sure, their health, their fitness, their preparedness level. And a lot of them have dabbled in the world of PEDs. Sure. Um, and myself included, which I've shared on the show before. And, uh, a lot of them are currently, uh, having great benefit by getting, by going through HRT with their docs. Sure. And, but inevitably, like the question always comes up because they're looking at their buddies and they're going, what else is he doing? Right. 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 Or they look at somebody else on, online on the internet or whatever. They're following somebody or they're getting their fitness programming from somebody or whatever. And they're like, I'm not sure. Some, this is, something's, something's off. Missing, right? I'm yeah. not sure exactly what it is. And is this the same as it was? And what am I missing? Are things, yeah. are things changing? So I wanted to have you in. This is a long build up to, I want to talk about the PED world. Yeah. Uh, because it's a popular one. Um, it, it It's still underground to a certain extent, but not really. It's no. come a long way. There's a lot more. I think the uh, the open source information that's out there makes makes uh, knowledge around this stuff way more accessible for people. However, like anything else, mm. the more of that that's available, the more, the more shit ridiculousness. Yeah. And, yeah. and that said, like, it's not all ridiculous. It's just like how deep into the rabbit hole you can go and yeah. everybody's an expert and whatever else. So um, I want to handle that with you today. So yeah, let's do that. Thanks for coming in and, and doing that with me. Absolutely, man. I love this topic. Um, I mean, as you know, clearly have, have used PEDs myself. Um, I'm a competitive bodybuilder that is kind of a, a long-term aspiration of mine. And so that is conducive to, to my goals. Um, but also just from kind of a more like human perspective, I, I recognize that people kind of have the tendency to want to take things to augment our human experience in all these different facets of our life, right? It can be taking caffeine to get through the day. I mean, that is so ingrained within our culture, but really we are using, we're using a drug you know, to, to start our day, right? Um, we, we like to control things. We like to exert our human will on our bodies and, and the world around and us. The outcomes, yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's just another thing like that. And I don't see much of a difference. Um, you know, we have this kind of arbitrary line in the sand drawn between say like nutritional health supplements and then, you know, uh, hormones, which, you know, there's the, the difference in how we categorize things is very um, arbitrary, I think. It's like somebody decided, okay, well, these are hormones. These other things can act on hormone receptors, but they come from nature, like from plants. We can extract them from things, so we're going to categorize them differently. But at the end of the day, in your body, your body doesn't give a shit. All it knows is a certain thing that you take binds to a certain thing in your body and produces a result. Yeah. So I always saw some irony in that and how we choose to categorize these things. And personally, 
you know, hell with that. Like I, I, I want to augment my experience. So. I think that's awesome. Cause I think a lot of people have made that choice at one point or another in their life. Yeah. And by the way, let's be honest. Like, uh, we live in the West and I be hard pressed to find one person ever mm. that's never taken a prescription medication. Oh, fuck yeah. Right. For something. Yeah. And generally it's to feel better. Yep. It's to manage a symptom, yep. right? It's not necessary to cure any, no. any disease. It's to get you through while your body responds to whatever processes that you're going through. DayQuil, dude. Yeah. I, I'm sick, but I got to get some work done. I'm going to take some fucking DayQuil. Right. Yeah. So you, you, what you're, what you're, where I hear you going with that is, is like people have, there's some irony in the like, what's good versus what's bad, what's mm-hmm. acceptable, which is not acceptable. Yep. As the, the, as the, the substance or the medication, if you will, yeah, becomes a little bit more complex and it, and it impacts physiology in a different way, then that takes a higher level of awareness to, sure. and education to understand how those things happen, which leads to a lot of space for confusion, sure. um, a lot of space for people with pieces of paper on the wall that understand the details and some of the things like physiology, like pharmacology, whatever, however we go, to start to have their opinions, yeah. which then the outside onlooker who's maybe a little curious or has been involved or thinks they know more than they should starts to get involved in that conversation. And then it gets a little bit of convoluted. Yes. Very. Which then hurts feelings. Mm -hmm. And then once the feelings are hurt, then it all of a sudden this, you know, whether it's good or bad turns into whether it's amoral or immoral. That's the thing. And whether it's an, it's a violation of your integrity or not. Yep. And whether it's a, it makes you a good person or a bad person versus a good substance or a bad substance. Yeah. It is, it is all that. Um, uh, yeah. Humans, we want to make sense of the world around us. And so we really love to categorize things, right? We want things to fit into boxes. And so we do our best to assign things, their, their, their roles, their places to be their boxes. Um, which, things don't fit quite so cleanly all the time. Some, some more than others. Right. And then you assign morality to that as well, um, or ethics, which itself is arbitrary and very, you know, subjective and based on your individual values. Um, yeah. And so it just becomes kind of a convoluted clusterfuck. So I prefer to look at things as like this, these are just the things as they, this is a thing. It exists in the world alongside all these other things. This is what, you know, what I can take away from that. Yeah. Gotcha. So I think that, uh, again, that's a great little lead into the PED conversation and how it impacts people. And you're a coach. Yes. Been a coach for a long time. That's how we got according to you. We've been working together for quite some time now. Yep. Again, you're we're working at, together at a distance today. It's it's in the same room, which, like I said, I'm privileged privileged to be here. The, the, the clients that you're working with, more specifically, while you worked with many different types of clients yeah, and in the world of, of general, general health and wellness. Yeah. Uh, your your primary focus is on those that are involved in the physique world, Correct. specifically bodybuilding. Correct. Yeah. Um, again, you, you've already sort of uh, given us your your insight to that. You compete. I right? do. Yep. Uh, you've you've given us insight. Sorry on other on other shows and uh, other podcasts and other products and stuff that we've we've got out there. In fact, you are the guy behind our physique programming, which is located in our online membership for those people that are, that are utilizing that, that membership and that programming, which by the way, is the most popular program within our online membership, which gives people access to several different types of programs. Yeah, happy to hear. Uh, but they always tend to gravitate towards that one for a lot of reasons. Now yes. that's a sidebar. The point of this is, is like, it's the thing that you really love to focus on. It's a passion. Yes. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, and, it's, and by the way, this isn't a hobby 
you make a living this, doing this, this as a is, coach. This is, I live and breathe this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's what I love to do and focus on for myself. And, um, through exploring that, I really found that this is kind of the, uh, one of the best avenues that I have available to me to help others as well. Um, and so it happens, I'm able to build a career and, and make a living out of that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is, I, I love it. Um, I've made just about every mistake you can make in the book. Um, and I've learned the quote unquote right way, or I should say better ways to do a lot of things. And so I see myself as someone who can help people avoid the growing pains that I had to go through, um, to kind of get to the level of understanding that I'm, I'm at today. I love that because I think that that's experience meets, um, knowledge meets wisdom, right? In the end, and that coaching at the end is really kind of utilizing all those things, knowing when to use them mm -hmm. and, uh, and how to influence your, your clients in the right way or to influence the situation and just in general to get somebody the direction that they need to go as well as want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we get to the PD things like, uh, so because you're working with, uh, like physique athletes or physique competitors, I guess one of the questions I have is like, when they come to you, uh, specific to their, their training program, where are you getting people? Are they like right at the beginning stages? Have they been dabbling or playing in this? They have a lot of experience, a little experience. How do we quantify or qualify this? That's, I mean, it's really all over the place. You know, I'm not, not picky. Um, there may be a point in time where I become more picky, okay. but uh, I think there are no shortage of people out there that I am in a position to, to help and provide service to, um, value to. So I get a lot of both. I get people who have competed, um, a few times in the past, uh, oftentimes doing it themselves and now want to kind of get a, a more experienced eye in their corner. Because let's be honest, when you're preparing for a competition, it becomes very, very difficult, almost impossible to make objective calls based on your needs because our emotions are so tied up in what we're seeing in the mirror and on the scale and all these things, mm -hmm. uh, coupled with, you know, the extreme changes in our psychology when we're really hungry and dieting down for a show, correct? Um, and so... I mean, for myself, I would never, I, I won't say never, but I have never competed without uh, a coach helping me because I may feel confident in doing these things for another person, but I just know my ability to make objective calls uh, as they pertain to myself is going to be skewed, um, especially when I'm deep in a contest prep. And so I, I do that for people. Um, there are also a lot of people who come to me who have not competed before and aren't truthfully ready to anytime soon, but they have decided and bought into the idea that this is something they want to do in the long term. And so my job is to get them there um, and help them make the calls. I mean, I've been bodybuilding for the training for 10 years. Um, I didn't do my first competition until five years ago. So there was a five-year window between identifying this is a thing that I wanted to participate in and actually feeling like I had, quote unquote, earned the right to, to, to try it, to compete in it. Um, and so now I help people, you know, do that. And truthfully, if I had somebody to help me navigate those growing pains and mistakes, I probably could have done that in maybe three years. Or, yeah, three, yeah. you know, so, yeah. and so that's what I'm doing for people. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the So it's, you, you're getting all different sort of types. When, let's jump right into the sort of the PED piece yeah. because uh, it was identified pr previously that, look, if you're going to pursue this long-term, mm -hmm. right? And and I mean, the, the world of... Uh, physique competition, whether it's bikini, yeah. whether it's, uh, it's, uh, classic, whether it's body, but whatever, yeah. right. You're going to, um, this is, this is something you're going to have to understand. Like this, PEDs, you mean? PEDs. Yeah. Yeah. PEDs is something you're going to have to understand. You're going to have to understand one, that these exist. And this is part of the process. If you're, if you're doing a quote unquote 
uh, untested type of competition if Correct. you're getting into, into these things. Now, that now there are plenty of organizations that you can get into that are quote-unquote natural. Oh, there are a dime a dozen. Tons, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a different game. It is. And the level of prestige is also, quite frankly, very different. So it's all on you, boo, to decide <laughs> what it is that you want to do. Yeah. And if you decide to go this uh, this this particular route, like this is going to be part of it. And if you want to be competitive, this is something you're going to probably need to to accept. That one, if I'm going to be competitive and not do these, I'm I am at a disadvantage. You're at a disadvantage. Yeah. And if you are going to do these, there's probably a, a there's not necessarily a right and a wrong way, but there's probably a a right and a better way sure. and maybe even like a really bad way yeah. to, to, to do some of the stuff. So I'm just, I'm curious because when I was in this world, mm-hmm. which was a long time ago and it was a much different game then, like it didn't take long to figure out like, this is just part of the game. Yes. And, uh, the, the types of PEDs that were, that, that existed then and what we had access to, how they were being utilized and the goal, which was to simply just get huge. Mm-hmm. There was no classic. Mm-hmm. There was no physique. That's true. It was bodybuilding. Body so yeah. the bigger, the better. The the bigger, the leaner, the better. The yeah. more shredded. There was none of this. Well, we don't want them too hard, uh, right? We don't want them too. We don't want them too too peeled back. Yeah, yeah. Like what we you know we want them to have this like a st- no. It was the bigger, more freaky, more shredded you are the better. Yeah. And so that's what the training, the diet and the drugs were focused yeah. to. And I figured out pretty quick, that is not a world that I wanted to play in to the extent that I was going to need to, yeah. uh, to be competitive. Now, while I dabbled in some things to kind of experiment, I, again, I figured out pretty quick, nope, nope, not for me. So, but things have been, things have evolved. Yes. And so I think people find out about them pretty early on. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, commonplace to talk about them. Yeah. We have things like Instagram, uh, chat rooms, the interwebs, yeah. that the stuff didn't exist the way it does now yeah. when I was, when I was into this stuff. And so people are pretty informed that they exist. Yes. So when you get a client, yeah. what, what is their level of informed when you get them? That is a good question. Again, it, the answer is almost always going to be depends. It depends. Um, there Can are we categorize them. Yeah, we, 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 we yeah, categorize put them in the boxes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the, the ideal client is one who doesn't mention PEDs at all to me upon, um, like their intake form, um, beyond my asking if they have any, have any experience with them. Um, those are usually people who I see as like really bought into the process of bodybuilding as it is, which is the training, the, the lifestyle around your diet, um, you know, op- doing things through plan- planning your day around recovery. Um, they're, they're doing it. I, they're, they're doing the right things. I think they're in it for the right reasons. Now, a big red flag for me when onboarding somebody is somebody who immediately starts talking about gear because I don't usually almost always, uh, what that person ends up being is totally overly focused on what to take, not so much what to do. So they don't care to focus on like the nuances of training and improving their technique and all these things. Um, or, you know, they don't typically adhere to a diet very strictly, which, you know, in the context of really serious bodybuilding, there is no leeway for, for strictness. You follow the fucking meal plan or, you know, you, know, you don't succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are people that I usually know right away. They've already kind of formed this, um, this bias, this, un, this, this perspective that it's about the drugs. Um, and that is far from the truth. And 
those are people that I usually either drop, end up dropping fairly quickly or sometimes will not even sign anymore. Um, unless, you know, uh, I'll give people a chance. I'll talk with them. I'll, I'll explain my, my stance, but that's usually a, a red flag for me. Um, because truly, and we've talked about this in another Q and a podcast we did. Um, if you were to categorize like the, the importance of training and your diet and supplementation and then PEDs, PEDs come last because they can really accentuate the results you get from solid training and solid nutrition practices. But without those two being in place, the results you're going to get from them are very lackluster. Um, and the negative potential side effects still are present to the same degree, if not a greater degree, because you're not taking the precautions that we would normally take to, you know, to allow for a safer use model. Um, so ideally, uh, an ideal client is going to be somebody who comes to me who, you know, they want to know all about how to train better. They want to, you know, they're hungry for like a, a solid diet and they, they don't mind the monotony. Um, and you know, they are aware of the existence of PEDs they are open to talking about them, but that's not something that is like high on their radar or they've been using them for a while, but in limited quantities and have not gone overboard. Um, that's, that's usually the best because they're receptive to the most important things to me, which are training, training. quality, mm -hmm. right? On training execution, um, to following a diet, a, a structured meal plan. And they know that every day is going to kind of be groundhog day because uh, bodybuilding is really about just checking yeah. the boxes on a daily basis and watching those little incremental changes add up over the long term. And then, you know, they're not afraid of gear. They're not, you know, they don't have any like weird misconceptions about it. Um, but it's also not their primary focus. They don't believe that that's what makes bodybuilding bodybuilding. Um, so that, that's kind of the ideal person that I, that I, that I look for. Yeah. So when they come to you and they have some level of knowledge, like, can we talk about like w what it is? Like, wh where are they? Is there a typical, like most people have dabbled in these things? Yeah. I, I mean, so the, the internet has decided in all its wisdom that your first cycle should be 500 milligrams of testosterone <laughs> and anthate or cypionate right. um, for a period of upwards of like 12 weeks. Right. Which is not awful. I wouldn't do a first exposure that way these days, um, but that was what my first cycle was. That's what most people's first cycle is. Okay. And so some some dabbling in super physiological doses of testosterone are common and pretty uh, benign as far as, you know, uh, potential negative side effects. So most guys have done something like that. Maybe they've thrown a little bit of like an oral in there or something. It's so like an Anivar or a... a, a uh, Anadrol or something like that, or uh, commonly they've thrown in like uh, maybe a Deca or some kind of Nandrolone derivative. Um, the other thing, the other option is I get guys who have maybe done a show in the past, and so all they did was just throw in some of the quote unquote hardening orals, right? So okay. a Winstraw and Anavar, um, maybe a Halotest and something like that, okay. but without the injectable testosterone. Um, and so it was also usually in a for a pretty short period of time. Um, I mean, it, it depends. It depends on what you have okay. access to. It depends on who you have given you information. Um, but those, I would say, are the two most common scenarios. Yeah. So I imagine, you know, what people want to know is, is like once once they get it. Well, let me ask you, like, what is it that they want to know when you finally get to this question, when you finally get to this conversation? Like, what are the major questions around there? Oh, man. Like, like what do people really want to know? Where do you find the biggest misconceptions are, and this is within that world, not outside for somebody looking in that really doesn't know. I mean, like, what are, what are the biggest misconceptions? What are the questions? What are, where's the gaps? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think a lot of that comes down to total dosages. Um, people, I think a lot of people still believe you need to take a lot more than you need to. 
Um, how much is quote unquote needed is going to depend on the person, on their response. But for the most part, the answer to that is always going to be the least amount that will give you some tangible results, right? So for example, a really calm, a good way to start something is if let's say you have somebody who's only dabbled in HRT before. And I do get a lot of these guys mm-hmm. as well. Um, so they're using some kind of HRT, either self-prescribed or through a doctor. So let's say they're taking 150 megs a test a week or something like that. It's pretty standard. So, okay, okay, so this is how much testosterone their body's used to. So let's put it to like 300, 350 megs of test. More is better. Yeah, but it's a small incremental jump, right? Mm. And so we, that's going to elicit some response. Yep. And so you ride that out for as long as you can. Um, and for a lot of guys, that'll elicit good response for a long period of time. And you may not even need to do any more for a while. Um, and then, you know, over time you do small dosage escalations, either through just that main compound, or if you get to a point where the, uh, there are, you get to a point of diminishing returns, right? So more of that compound's not necessarily going to give more favorable results, but may give more side effects, negative mm-hmm. unwanted side effects. So then you use, that's when you utilize another compound. Um, but small incremental increases until your time spent on is just you know, there's a point where you might as well come off and kind of reset as opposed to continuing to push and push. Just like the caffeine analogy we've used in other, um, other episodes, right? Where, you know, 200 megs of caffeine may hit you really hard at first and you do that for a few weeks, but it stops working. So what do you do? You go up to 400 megs. That works for a while. You stop, you know, and you keep doing it this way until you get to like a thousand megs. That's a gram of caffeine a day. The answer is probably not to keep pushing it. It's probably just to back off, wait for a while, resensitize, and then start over from 200, which is going to hit you like a truck again now that you've taken the time off. And so this just goes back to sort of the minimal effective dose is what we're really looking for here. Correct. More is not necessarily better. Yep. It may become better over time, but at some point you're on the clock there and the return on investment or excuse, excuse me, there you reach a point of diminishing returns and then you need to make an adjustment. Yes. I think a big issue that we see um, is people looking at professional bodybuilders or people they want to emulate they try to get a general idea of what these guys are taking and what quantities. And they jump to the conclusion, which is, it, it makes sense, but it's incorrect. The, the conclusion that what they're taking is what was required to get to where they are. Uh, and point. they don't realize like, no, they've been slowly working their way up to this over time. And if they are taking these much larger quantities, it's because this is now the amount that's required to continue to push the needle. Yep. The needle. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, and that's, that's largely hugely inaccurate. Um, The amount you need is just whatever little bit is going to push you out of homeostasis and force changes to happen or allow changes to happen. Um, And if you jump the gun right into these astronomical multi-gram doses that we just assume professionals are using, we don't even know, right? Anybody who goes online and says, hey, this was Ronnie Coleman's stack is Mm. full of fucking shit. Yeah, they have no, nobody's going to come clean on any of that. And, and, And a lot of professional open bodybuilders have started going on and talking about what they're doing. And the doses are way lower than you would think. And a lot of people say so that raises the, that, yeah, it raises questions like, no, man, there's more and you're not, you're just not being but, honest. But the answer, the, the truth is no, they're just genetically predisposed to grow really fucking easily. And so they throw in a little bit of super physiological hormone, and they grow even more easily. And the fact that you don't just means you're not as genetically blessed as them, but you could have figured that out either way, just by looking at what you look like at 17 versus what they look like at 17, with no weight training. You know what I mean? Great you got to be realistic about who you are, uh, where your genes put you on the totem pole. Um, and frankly, if you aren't, you know, if you've dabbled a little bit and you didn't have like a ridiculous response, you're probably not going to be the next Mr. Olympia. That's okay. 
almost none of us are going to be the next Mr. Olympia. <laughs> Make your yes. peace with that though. Um, because how you respond your first couple exposures is going to give you a good idea of how you're going to respond for the rest of your career in this, in this regard. Yeah. So I think like if for those people that think they've been working hard and, uh, I know, I think, I think I got caught in this trap there for a minute too, is, you know, you think you've been working hard and you think you've been doing the right yeah. things and then you take a little bit and you're like, holy shit. Yep. Look at that. Yep. You know, I'm strong as piss this week. Right. Or wow, I just put on 10 pounds pretty fast yeah. and I feel great yeah. and my fucking libido's through the roof and my sense of well-being is good and I feel energized and I'm not cranky. Mm-hmm. I just feel good. I can eat like a, I can eat a house. You know, my appetite's always up. I seem to be getting a good result. So then that leads to the more is better, more is better. or yeah. this is, I'm doing the right things yep. um, because I am having some type of a result. Positive, yeah. A, a, positive res- a positive result. So then that goes back to like, Oh, well, it is working. So if I just take more, then I could be the next Mr. Olympia. <laughs> and, yeah. And I think a lot of that is just greed, right? I think in, in practice with the people I coach and with myself, if something is working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So this is working. Why would I, tr- why would I potentially jeopardize that by changing the variables and adding more when I know this amount is working, right? If it stopped working, then maybe we could talk about, okay, well, do we either back off and start over or do we try to up the ante a little bit? But if it's working right now, there's no reason to change anything that I'm doing. Just sit in that and milk it. Yeah. How How would you, so that's a great question. So how do you evaluate it's working or not? Because I think that's a thing, yeah. like, right? Like I just told you a couple of different responses yeah. that I was yeah. getting, like uh, this is what I'm measuring. Yeah. Uh, but what should I be measuring to know if it's working or not? So the metrics I use for athletes just as far as measuring progress, and this is for natural or enhanced people, are... Uh, your body weight changes. I have them, everybody track their body weight on a daily basis. And I'm looking at weekly average changes. So I'm at their high weight of the week, their low weight of the week, but, may, but may, mainly looking at the, uh, the average trend over time. Gotcha. Because you can't gain a pound a week for 10 weeks and expect you put on 10 pounds of muscle. You did not. No. So we want to see kind of small, but gradual increases in that average. If the goal is to grow in the um, average, yes, the average, not the daily up and the down average. Yes. Right. Cause there is going to be daily up and down. Right. Um, that's one. Um, and actually I'm probably starting at least important to most important. So next is uh, visual changes. So we have pictures done a very certain way on a weekly basis. And we can look back over the course of like pictures from month one to month two, and you can see, the differences in your appearance. If your weight hasn't changed, but you look bigger, you look harder, you look leaner, whatever the fuck, you made progress. That's subjective. What, yeah, we're, looks good, yeah. what we're doing it's is also tr- objective. We're, we're trying to improve the way we look. So at the end of the day, the body weight doesn't matter. And I think a lot of people ruin their physiques by chasing a number on a scale. Great point. And don't pay attention to the fact like, oh no, I'm, I'm looking better. I'm improving. There's no reason to change anything. Don't get greedy. Um, and then the last, I think most important thing is training performance. So you're logging everything that you do, you know, all all your working sets, the weight, the number of reps you're achieving, um, and you're standardizing your form. So every rep looks exactly like the rep before it. A rep is always equal to a rep. So the same cadence, the same tempo for negatives and pauses and all this stuff. So that, you know, if I got 10 reps today and 12 reps next week, I made tangible progress. It wasn't because I started bouncing my reps or cutting the range of motion mm-hmm. short. Well, if that's improving on a regular basis, I'm growing because you can't improve in performance with weight lifted over time and not be growing. Um, so you look at all those things, right? And you do that for everybody. And 
there comes a point where we, someone says, okay, we're going to pull the trigger and we're going to introduce some anabolics. And so those, you're looking at those same metrics. No, nothing changes. No, though. you're looking at the same metrics, just now the rate may Im- increase a little bit. The rate of progress may increase a little bit. And so when you quote unquote stop um, progressing, then you look at each of those things and say, okay, well, there are a bunch of different things we can manipulate now. Do I just need to deload from training because I'm stalling in training? Do I need to add more food because I'm no longer eating enough to support recovery? Or are those things both still in a good spot? And if I increase the total cumulative dose of anabolics, that'll push the needle further. Usually that's the last step, truthfully. Um, people are surprised. Like oh, they, they add this variable. It's very taboo and really gets you focus on it, right? And so when they see the opportunity for some kind of a change, they immediately jump to that. Oh, this is the thing I need to change. I need to add more of this. Yeah, so the, you said... Um you said greed. I'm looking at it like impatience. impatience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the word that comes to mind. Yep. Like they think it should be happening faster. Uh, it should be happening quicker. Like my trajectory obviously always has to go up. Yeah. It should not be linear at all. Yep. Right. It's, it's constant up or, and if I take a step backwards, like on the, on the scale weight or something else, like yeah. this is, it means it's not working. I must do something drastic to reverse that process. Yeah. And the velocity at this, like, again, based on my initial experience with it, where I was like, oh, shit, I put on 10 fucking pounds and my bench press just went up 75 pounds in like a week, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Like, that's normal. Like, that's what I should continually see. So there's like this impatience to it. And nobody's sitting inside the program and really measuring anything objectively to, to understand what is the proper rate of change for me during this particular time. You just kind of elic- or, uh, articulated a little bit of that. I wonder, like, so as people are sort of getting into this this in the beginning and they're struggling with this, mm-hmm. how do you get them to be, how do you get their heads around looking at these metrics um, on a regular basis? How long does it take them to kind of settle into this to go, oh, now I really realize that this is a long-term play here and that I really need to be taking this calculated, organized, very rational, logical approach to this, this project that mm-hmm. I'm working on here and not, not self-sabotage and get, get so greedy. I'm yeah. saying impatient yeah. and fuck it up. Uh, it depends on the person. Um, I think success in bodybuilding definitely, um, I should say a certain personality types definitely yield or lend themselves better to this, the bodybuilding game. Okay. Um, people who can be patient and can, you know, are, are comfortable with delayed gratification, um, tend to do better because they stick around for longer. Um, if you're somebody who really needs like big rushes of like approval or pats on the back or immediate reward, you're probably not going to last very long in the game. That's just how, I mean, that's how it goes for all kinds of things. Look at an entrepreneur and tell me, find me one successful entrepreneur that you know of who, you know, got that way, like in, in, short succession. For you can stop right there. I don't know one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the same yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so now there are kind of older school approaches that aren't quite so calculated and are so focused on tracking data as I am that have worked fine. You know, we great bodybuilders have been being produced for decades. Um, the reason I like this approach is because it leaves little to no room for error. And so if something's not working, you can catch it pretty quickly and you can look at all the available data to figure out what makes the most sense to adjust. And so you're not kind of like shooting in the dark, you know, you don't have to do it that way. Um, I will say that anybody can make progress doing it this way. Some people may make progress doing it a less controlled way 
but not everybody will. Um, it's the same with my philosophy on training, actually. And so I have my practices set up the way they are because I get all kinds of people. Some people will respond faster than others, but the goal is not necessarily speed. It's making progress over the long term in a sustainable way. So how do I get people to come to terms with that? They kind of have to on their own. I'll yeah. talk them through it. I'll have conversations one-on-one the way I'm having with you. I'll make posts about this and reminders and things like that. But at the end of the day, if you don't buy in, you don't buy in. And I can't force anybody to do that. And if you're not willing to sit through it through the long haul and aren't one of the genetically blessed people who can like turn pro in fucking two years, you're not going to go anywhere with this. And it doesn't matter what I say or do to you. Uh, you're not going to buy in unless you buy in. I think that's exactly the answer I was looking for and expected from you. Uh, and and I think this is a good metaphor for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you talk about personality types and people that do well here, here's an interesting part about this is that it's often looked um, unkindly upon from the outside onlooker looking in for those kind of character traits in this particular sport. Hmm. Like it's like that this person is obsessive. This yeah. person is OCD. This person uh, is very selfish. This person is very uh, self-absorbed, sure. uh, narcissistic in, in a sense, all those things. Now go back to being the entrepreneur. Yeah. If you're obsessive, yeah. right? If you're consistent, <laughs> right? If you're selfish and all those kind of things, you're you're like you're propped up Your for that. Your likelihood of succeeding in these endeavors is much higher than people who and don't have those and traits. And you're a hero, right? <laughs> now people are respecting you and then once you, you succeed. Yeah. Right, once you're once you're successful, right? Yeah. Exactly. But it's the same characteristics that make them successful because it's usually a long-term play. Yeah which involves a ton of failures before successes are realized. Mm -hmm. And because of those experiences and the knowledge that are gained by those and the wisdom that can be extracted from that over time compounds on itself over time, these people can ultimately be more successful. Now, I think that is in stark contrast to a lot of people that I see jumping into the physique world. Yep, and in gear. And and into gear and where they are going all the way back to the beginning of this conversation where somebody is looking for instant gratification or somehow got themselves involved in some kind of a program, right? Whatever it was, they maybe had a little bit of a transformation. They sure. were the fat kid, right? They, you know, they, and then they started working out and all of a sudden they're getting a lot of attention. The girls are talking to them. The guys are talking to her, whatever the case is. And now it's like, oh, this is the answer. Mm-hmm. They've got an emotional draw to this because yeah. from that I'm getting attention and I'm getting gratification from these from this thing. So make the next thing that makes sense for me is to kind of take it to the next Try level. Try to push it. Yep. And be more. Exactly. Yep. And yep. be involved. That is stark contrast to the person that sits back and recognizes like this is a long-term play. Yeah. I'm going to play in this world for a little bit before I try to understand whether or not this is going to be the right place for me, much the way you described it. Yeah. And then once I do that, then I'm all fucking in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Those are two different, those, those, I think those are very, very different personality types. So I see a lot of folks getting in, jumping in, looking for the attention or the tribe. Yep. Yep. They're bored, they're desperate, or they're like, this is the answer to my social problem mm-hmm. or my acceptance or to how to satisfy my self-esteem. And they go, and it's all things, man. It's not just PEDs. Yeah. It's the exercise program, which is way overdone. Way overdone. Right? And way too fast. Yep. You know, it's the dieting, which is way extreme on a lot of levels. And I see a lot of it happening to females specifically. Yeah. They get so caught up in this yeah, and they get so far into a hole uh, that it, it wrecks them. Yeah. You know, it wrecks them hormonally, it wrecks them physio- physiologically, physically, um, mentally, yeah. emotionally. Yeah. 
And then they have this huge hole they have to climb out of on the back end. Can we talk about that a little bit specifically as it relates to this space and PEDs? Sure. And if you see people kind of how, how that, how, how those influence this stuff down the line, because, and again, when I, when I, when I, when I ask that question, I'm really, I'm serious about the, the, the female side of this because I see that as being like, that space has gotten wild. Yeah. Like bikini, the bikini stuff just exploded in the last, well, let's say 10 years. Yeah, it was smart. Bring, making that a, it, it's yeah. a business. Yeah. It's a business. And let's be honest, like a lot of, a lot of females are getting awards, right? And they're yeah. getting their winning shows yeah. because they got on a diet and they lost some body fat and they yeah. look good in a bikini, yeah. not because they spent time in the physique training world. Yeah. So I don't know, like I'm jumping into this or jumping ahead, but maybe you can give me your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really coach a lot of women. I don't coach any uh, female competitors. So there's only so much that I have. I, I don't feel like I can speak honest. to that, but, um, that's honest. I mean, it's definitely something I see. Yeah. There's, like you said, there's not quite as big of a barrier for entry there as far as having to build the physique. Right. Um, because the amount of muscles is not as necessary. It is not needed. The same amount of muscle is not needed. So less time is needed to get the physique to that point. Um, yeah. And so there is kind of a, a lot of the issues that I see secondhand are like, you know, crash dieting and introducing maybe some drugs, some PEDs, thyroid hormone, fat burners that aren't um, necessary just to, to expedite that process and, and get them the trophy and get them the validation. They get this big fat dopamine hit, especially after contest prep is a long period of um, uh, like self-deprivation, right? You're, it it could be miserable. Yeah. It is. And it could, so you're, be you're starving yourself of all these, you know, high dopamine activities, Um up earlier, you're doing cardio, you're eating the same fucking things every day. They're not super uh, palatable compared to some other food options. And so you do all this. And so you finally do get a big dopamine hit, especially if you win or place well. Um, it's super exaggerated because you've been depriving yourself of things that the traditional things that quote unquote feel good for so long. Um, that's huge. And then, then it's all gone immediately after the show is over that you overeat, you, you have all these hormonal issues that arise from a, a nobody coach giving you drugs that they didn't have any business giving you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So again, can't, that's, that's something I see. I don't have a solution to present for that or any more insight on that, but I can speak to like the, the, the male equivalent of that, of like, getting greedy or impatient, fucking yourself up with drugs and then dealing with ramifications from that for the long term and not knowing how to get yourself out of that and trying to go back to what you did in the past, which didn't even work very well. To didn't begin work because you digging, didn't really do the work. Digging yourself in the hole deeper. Yeah. yeah. So very common to see people who will hop on some drugs. Um, commonly, often I'll see them, you know, hop on test and then they hop on trend, right? The big, the big, like scary fucking drug that really nobody has any business doing unless you're like a few weeks out of a show. Um, but it's touted as like super powerful and will like well, make you, yeah. you'll make all kinds of progress, even eating burgers and shit. And so that's what people do. They don't make the kind of progress that they could make from it because they're not disciplined. Now the, these other aspects of their life. They go way too hard on the training without really uh, the control or the, you know, the attention to detail and recovery and all these things. So what happens usually, they either get health issues, like um, one of the things we haven't talked about that PEDs can deliver is high levels of systemic inflammation mm -hmm. because anabolic steroids are suppressive to catabolic steroids, corticosteroids, which are what our bodies use to lower our levels of inflammation. Um, and so we just get inflamed everywhere. And that can manifest in all kinds of issues. Um, insulin sensitivity, it makes it harder for us to get, you know, 
uh, carbohydrates and other substrate into cells for fuel. And so it's easier to store body fat that way. Right. That's an issue. Um, inflammatory issues can lead to like, I mean, there's, I can't speak to too much of these, but like neurological def um, defects. So, um, you know, autoimmune stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of things. Yep. And so one of those things will end up manifesting. You'll get some gastric issues. They'll start looking all bloated. They'll put on more body fat than they intended to. Um, or they'll like hurt themselves because gear makes you feel a lot fucking stronger. There's a neurological component that allows you to recruit more muscle on command when you train. Um, you're not used to throwing that amount of weight around. So after a while you hurt yourself, um, especially if you're not really paying attention to your, your execution or all right. these things, which most of them aren't. And so these guys end up, you know, they, they hopefully come off once they injure themselves. Um, because it doesn't make sense to run a bunch of drugs if you can't even benefit from them. Through yeah, training, but then right? that's a re there's a rebound to this. Yep, even more. So then they gain even more body fat. They feel like shit because they came off um, and they have these injuries that they're, they're not really able to work through. And so eventually they get better from that. Um, but they're, they're, in, they're right back on the gear again. But they're in a worse spot than they started from. And they're starting from a really unhealthy spot. They're fatter. They're more inflamed. Um, maybe they crashed dieted to try to bring the body fat down because they panicked. And obviously that doesn't work very well. And so now their metabolic health is low as well. This is just an example, but you see stuff like this all the time. It's kind of a, a cliche. Oh, Look at Caleb, the, the guys I was telling you about that I reached, that I, I run into on the <laughs> it, range and stuff. It's, it's textbook them, you, right? You, you, you are describing them. Yeah. I mean, and some of them are walking memes yeah. for this stuff. If and you know, yeah. If you, exactly. If you know who they are and there's people listening to the show that are either that guy yeah. or seen that they, guy. They, 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 they suit up next to a guy like that every yeah. single day, go out on the job or run into a guy like that in the gym. They know yeah. exactly who you're talking about. It's the guy never seemingly have, has his shit together. Yep. Yeah. But also seems like he knows it all. Loves he's, to tell you about a, his his new stack. Right. Let me tell you what I'm running this time. And I ran this last time. And they have all this like anecdotal experience of different compounds to share with you. And it's like, okay, but dude, look at, I don't want to look like you. You're I don't, a fucking I don't, disaster. I don't care. Yeah. And to the, anybody listening who this is kind of touching on a, a little too close to home, like not, not to hurt your feelings, but if you want to do better than you're doing, at some point you're going to have to look in the mirror and be objective with yourself and be fucking honest and be like, yeah, this, there, this is me. And if I keep doing the things that I'm doing, it's only going to get worse, you know? So if you want to do better, if you want to do different than where you are right now, you have to do something differently. Um, and that means you probably don't fucking know it all. Yeah. And you might need to unfuck yourself. I need to unfuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which comes back to the whole coaching piece and whatever, and pretending that you don't know it all, um, or at least admitting that you don't know it all is a really good, really good point. But man, you are nailing like the health things that come up. And I think what, what comes up with this, like you're mentioning the guy that gets injured, he's fatter right now. He's got less drive. He doesn't feel as, as, as confident. That leads to a whole litany of things, I believe from an emotional and psychological piece. Um, when we start working into things like now I'm feeling depressed or yep. I'm cranky, yep. um, I'm feeling a little bit more sensitive about things, whether that's, I get angry quicker or I get sad easier. And now I have some misplaced energy. I don't really know how to deal with these, these emotions. And and then one day you wake up and you're just like, I'm tired of being fat. I'm tired of being I'm tired of hurting. And I recognize like, this is me. This is my fault. I've come to this reality. And then they reach back to what they were doing before as well. What was I doing before That's when I was in the best shape of my life or when I felt the best? They're 40 now and they're reaching back to what they were doing when they were 25 20. or 20 years old. And they try to reimplement that. And but that's it's not the same. You're not it the same. It isn't even close to the you, same. You are not the same body 
you know, two, two decades later that, that you were when you were young and in shape. When you were young and in shape, you weren't bouncing back from anything. So your needs are totally different. Um, yeah, a lot of people fall into that too. You, you, I never prescribed, the, prescribed, I never assigned the same training program to somebody like, again, like years down the line or the same exact diet because right. your body is never the same. It is constantly changing and evolving. It's never going back. Um, well, I th- so this, this brings back in the likes of the world of PEDs with regard to, you know, the certain, I would say like age brackets. I think if you're, if you're a young guy hanging out in the gym right now and you spend enough time there, like, you know, yeah. like you're starting, you've been exposed in one way or another, or you're really curious and you're seeking out avenues to try to find out a little bit more. I think yeah. we were, I was there, you know, yeah. in my young, my early twenties and I got into my mid twenties. I was like, okay, well, I know the guys to ask about this stuff or yeah. where to get that if I need to. And it, everything was a phone call away, yeah. basically. Now it's all just on the internet. Now it's on the fucking internet. Now it's on Instagram. It's too, now it's in a, too it's, easy. You can text it, right? Yeah. You can do whatever. You can find it. Um, you can even order from places, yeah. you know, and get stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So like, so people are reaching back and they're reaching to these answers and we know these things can be very beneficial in, you know, in the right application and all all these things. Let's talk about the avenues and how people are getting them. So when you're getting these athletes and they may or may not have dabbled in these things, but if they have and they're getting it from someplace, where are they getting these things? Like, and I think, because that's the question people want to know. They're like, where's this stuff coming from? And I'm not saying, I'm not asking you directly, where sure. are you getting sure, this sure, from? Sure. I'm saying, where are they, I'm asking, where are they getting it from? Yeah. Um, uh, Cause I mean, I've had my own experiences. I just, I'm curious. Most, about I mean, the, the trope is you get it from the big guy in the gym. Right. And so yep. like you said, like back in the day, you, you kind of figured out who to talk to, who to ask if you needed to. Now, a lot of people still do that. People don't want the hassle of having to navigate these things online. Um, but you know, there are labs, domestic labs are a dime a dozen. I say labs, the quality is very, very all over the place. Some people, some of these labs really treat it professionally. Uh, some people, you have no idea what their setup looks like. Um, it's not a hard thing to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of these are just people like, like you and me who are, who are set up, set up a little like homebrew, um, thing in their kitchen, or maybe they, maybe they rent out a space or something to do. Really it. is that simple. It is yeah. that simple. And they're buying these raw, um, you know, raw hormones out of labs in China, which are very easy to, to get if you know where to look, um, and very cheap, uh, compared to the finished products. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're brewing these products. They're sterilizing them. They're slapping a good looking, a nice looking label. Um, the, the professionalism of the vial does not really speak at all to the quality in, uh, you know, uh, the quality of the conditions in which it were, they were produced. Um, so, it, you have no idea. And if, if you're instead buying from the big guy in the gym, well, chances are it's probably sourced from something like that as well. So yeah, the other, the other avenue is you go through an HRT clinic or a doctor, mm-hmm. which is going to be more expensive, but at least there's usually some quality control there. You know, it's being produced in a, a GMP facility or whatever it's called. And, mm-hmm. um, that can be a good thing. Uh, certain, only certain compounds are available. Um, to be, to be prescribed in the U.S. So you're not going to find pharma, gra- pharma grade trend. There's no such thing as that. It was never approved for human use. So, you know, do, do with that what you will. Right? Also, I'm going to do it right now. And that is, that's the interesting part. You go back to like the old thing was like, you go to the biggest guy in the gym and then somehow you befriend that guy. You have a conversation to him. He doesn't give two shits about you. He knows not. where this conversation is going. Yep. And there's a benefit to him for having this conversation because he's going to make some money at yep. the end of the day. Right. Yep. yep. And now the, the point of this that I'm, that, or where I'm going with this is, is like my, 
when I started dabbling, that's exactly what I did. I yeah. just befriended the guys in the gym or that you, you I knew, knew were had doing access, it. And yeah. I liked all these guys. They were good guys. And by the way, like, I don't think there was any intention of them selling me drugs. No. When I originally started this, because I was friends with these guys for a long, long time. It was yeah. just like, they respected me. I respected them. You know, I was a younger, younger guy. They were a little bit older and they watched my work ethic, my consistency. I was there. I was training a little differently or a little smarter. I was asking them smart questions. And yeah. That was just my approach. And then eventually, so when I started talking to him about it, like they were very open to that conversation, um, but also in a private kind of way. And yeah. then asked me questions in return, like, dude, are you sure? Like, what are you really doing? Yeah, think like, about do you, it. Do you think about this? And so I actually felt like from a, from in that perspective, I probably had a, a, a much different experience than I've, what I've heard yeah, a lot of other people good. having. Yeah, that's good. That's lucky. But here's the thing, asking about like, where are they getting them from? I was getting them from, I knew who I was getting, I knew who I was getting them from at that point. Yep. But I don't know how many times that shit have been stepped on yep. before it got yep. to this them. This is getting passed. Right? It's just like it's like street drugs, you know. This was my this was my point about asking the question because, mm. like like you said, there are some more maybe legitimate or well put together labs out there that are doing things, and this is very underground. This is the black market. It is the black market, and this is also something you need to consider that you'll be playing in when you get there. And just like with anything, there's risks involved, but. On the PED side of things, it's very interesting to see how people will throw caution to the wind. They want to have conversations with me about how much sucralose is in their fucking, you know, that drink that that I'm drinking. But yeah. they have they don't have Inject any fucking clue yep. Where, yep. How, what they're injecting into their into their bodies. Yeah, on a regular, they'll tell you they do because it says that on the label. Yeah, uh, you know, but who who knows? I, I can I can print a label. You know well, what I mean? I can print a really fancy looking label with a serial, a batch number and all the shit that makes you go, oh, this looks legit. Oh, and by the Anybody way. Anybody can do that. Yeah. And they can say all the things they want to say about it. I mean, look what Pfizer did. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. But the, 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 the point of that is, is like, we don't really know. So that's part of this. And so when people come to you and they say, I've done this or I've done that, they're only going on what they know yeah. to the depth of knowledge, unless you're doing it. Yep. You're yep. actually getting these hormones or compounding these hormones or whatever. Even still. It's, it's part of the game. Yeah. It's just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's so a big, it's, you're right. That's a big risk. And you, like you said, just about everybody's throwing caution to the wind and just taking it on faith. They're getting what they're getting. Right. Which I think is like, a, it's another, it's another point to like, if you're going to do this stuff, like it, it just makes sense to be very calculated in every way that you can so that you minimize Whatever risks that you can minimize, yep. knowing that there are some that you will have zero controls over, you know, you know, going into this. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about like, uh, uh, again, like I talk about the history of people and their dabbling. Like I know, talk to, you know, I know a lot of people that have, you know, they, they went through a period of their life, whether that was in service or just in the gym, they were mm. single guys, whatever the, whatever the case. And they were, you know, they're lifting to get big, lifting to look good naked. Yep. I don't know. Yep. A single dude doesn't want to look good so, naked. Yeah. I just yeah. don't. Yeah. Uh, maybe you guys exist out there. I, we can be friends maybe, but I, I, <laughs> I just don't know who you I are. I can't relate. But I can't uh. relate. Yeah. I can't relate. My point of this is, is they've done things right. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, now they're like, look, I want to look good naked again, but I also recognize there's more liability or risk that I have now right. in my I got, life. I've got a family now. I'm older. Yes. My risk tolerance is even lower than it was in my 20s. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're they're recognizing like this conversation around HRT is way more open than it was. And this yeah. stuff is way more available. And they're going there. But then they're also seeing their buddy down the street, right, who's the same age. Yeah who's doing the same, who's allegedly doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, but, maybe but something's not. up. Yeah. Yeah, something's up. Yeah, and so that's kind of, you cross into the territory of, um, 
you know, getting super physiological, right? So we, HRT is, is applying what we'd call physiological doses of testosterone. So as far as your body's concerned, you're natural because the levels of testosterone in your body are around what they would be in a healthy, natural male, right? Super physiological. There's more testosterone in your body than any healthy male has ever produced ever. Um, and so that, that may be what we're looking at. And the cool thing is if you've already embarked on the TRT, the HRT journey, um, you already have a doctor kind of managing you, your mm-hmm. lab work and everything. You are now familiar with the process of getting your lab work done, looking it over. Maybe you have a little more understanding of the different reference ranges for the different markers that you want to keep an mm-hmm. eye out on. Now you have already put yourself in a position to kind of be a little bit more educated and a little bit more um, informed. Yeah, yeah. And so you're kind of in a position to, to apply a safer use model. Um, of super physiological doses of, of PEDs, if that's something you choose to do. Um, and so it can be as simple as, you know, bumping up your dose to, you know, maybe the something to the tune of like 400 megs per week or something like, like testosterone that. testosterone. Yeah, yeah. For, for a period, yeah, still with testosterone, not even talking about any secondary compounds. Um, and seeing how that goes for a period of time, getting lab work done after maybe eight to 10 weeks, seeing if, did this push markers, you know, out of line? Or is my cholesterol out of whack now? Is my liver changed at all? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of gives you an idea of this is how, um, you know, how, how insulated I am. Because some people are more predisposed to certain negative out- outcomes from these than others. Again, just like genetics plays a role in how well we respond, it also plays a role in how, um, how tolerant we are to these things. And from there, you know, you probably back off back to your HRT dose, uh, make sure everything is good with your doctor. But that's a nice, easy way to kind of dip your toe in the water without really putting yourself at nearly as much risk as the the 30-year-old who grabs a couple vials of random shit from the big guy in the gym and slams them all. Um, that that would be my, if if that were me, right? If I was was going through that avenue of HRT and was, was a little bit older, that's kind of how I would kind of start to bridge that. Um, and I would probably look into hiring a professional who has walked other people through this um, with great success uh, just because... Just like just like what I talked about with the navigating the growing pains and helping people get mm-hmm. you know around those, if my if my fucking my my downstairs bathroom floods, I could figure out how to fix it. I could go on Google like a what how to troubleshoot the problem. I don't want to take all the time to do that. I'm going to call a fucking plumber and get it done in a couple hours. You know, um, this is the same thing with with training with coaching for for your your training programming for your diet and, and when it comes to PED use as well. I think it's interesting. So where would you go to get that plumber? Like where do people go? Which is the interesting thing. Like this is the next question. Yeah. Well, I, have, I have several others, but this is the next question. Is like, so how do I determine what plumber I go with? Do I go to Yelp? Do I go to that- you know, Google reviews? Do I go, do I just, do I type into the browser cheapest plumber in my zip code? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of work do I need done? Uh, you know, how do I determine who's the best person for the job here and all of that? Like, that's a big question. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't have a perfect answer for that. Oh, I don't think there is one. I will say, I think for a lot of, you're right, but finding a, a, a bodybuilding or a physique coach is not the same as finding a, a contractor or a lawn care specialist or a plumber or whatever, because you don't just go to yellow pages or Google or whatever. Um, a lot of times that's going to be more word of mouth. Right. And that is how a lot of my personal, like my athlete acquisition comes through recommendations through athletes that I already have, you know, they tell their friends about me, they rave about me all the time. Their friends hit me up. Um, 
And then others are, you know, social media is the big, that's the world we exist in. It's now, it's not social anymore. It's, it's business now. Um, that's where a lot of these coaches market themselves. Yeah, because, lives over there. Yeah. yeah, because it's very um, visual, you know, mm-hmm. their visual platform, especially like Instagram and YouTube. Um, I'd say mostly Instagram because it's a, a photo and video based platform. And so what can you do? You can share photos and videos of your clients, of their transformations. You can put out informative posts that kind of, you know, show your audience that you know what you're about and, you know, show the level of nuance that, that you understand. Um, so, you know, if you exist on, most people exist on some kind of social media, that that's a place to shop around. Um, but besides that, there's not a yellow pages, right. you know? So, so word of mouth, if you know somebody who's got a coach and they've been having good results, that might, might be a good place to start. Yeah. And then as you start to get plugged in through those communities, their coaches are everywhere. There are a lot of really good ones. There are a lot of really unqualified ones yep. too, but there are way more coaches who know what they're doing, uh, now than ever before. And so your chance of finding a, a good, um, guide to walk you through this now today are higher than they've ever been in the past. So that's a good thing. I agree. Um, there may still take some work on your end. You may have to be patient. Don't just jump into the first one that you find available to you. Um, but again, we already talked about how patience and the ability to kind of have like delayed gratification is going to be indicative of your success. So, yeah, I mean, you nailed something there. Uh, so we're kind of covering like the in-between and, and kind of how to do it. We were talking about the older individual who's looking for some answers around the HRT and maybe beyond, mm-hmm. right? What advice, and that was really great advice, I think. Um, what would your, what's your recommendation for, to the opposite end of that spectrum? To the kid that's 23, 24, 25 years old who wants to be, yeah. you know, the next Ronnie Coleman or whatever else who's, who's, out there looking for a coach to help him get on some PEDs, you know, and all that. What, what do you, how do you talk to that guy? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different conversation. You got to understand that they're coming from a totally different space and their values and priorities are going to be very different too. Um, and that's, I think what's important from anybody who has a product to sell um, is understanding the values of, and the priorities, uh, the way we rank those values, you know? So when you're in your 20s, you're not as aware of the long-term risks. You don't care so much. Part of that is because you haven't lived very long. I was like that. Um, I'm probably still like that in regard, you know, in in comparison to what I'm going to feel like when I'm 40, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing is when you're younger, you are almost certainly kind of, you exist in social media. And so it's not going to be as hard of a sell to be like, hey, follow these professional bodybuilders and kind of just pay attention to what they do training wise. Listen to things they say, you know, look at their coaches, look at their coaches, other athletes, you start to get plugged in. The algorithm will do a lot of the work for you. Once you start following these pages, you're going to have more of them fed to you. Um, And take everything with a grain of salt because also remember that social media is a business platform now. And so everybody who's on there for the most part, they have the objective of getting more views and more clicks so that they can earn, earn revenue. And so don't just take everything on faith. Um, take it with a grain of salt. Whenever you see something presented on the internet, ask yourself, what is their motive for putting this out? Because they had to take time and effort and maybe even money mm-hmm. to put this information out there, to put yep. this, this piece of content out there. Why did they do that? Was it to get more clients? Okay. Maybe. Well, well okay. okay. And that can be okay because I'm... I'm a perspective I'm a business client. person. You need to put money into advertising, I'm a right? Business but, person, yeah. but also just understand that 
that means that how they present things is going to be skewed a little bit. Um, then there's a lot of other like clickbaity shit that is overly simplified or overly polarized, just like we see in politics and everything today. And the goal there is just to get your attention for clicks and views and shares and all that stuff. I would recommend not feeding into that shit. It's not going to do anything for you. Um, if it's if it's sold as an absolute, if it's presented as an absolute, it's probably incomplete or inaccurate. Um, so that would be my my advice. You're young, you're 20. Understand, first of all, that bodybuilding is an old man's game. Look at every Mr. Olympia for the last decade. They're all in their late 30s, early 40s in some cases. Um, you, you peak late in this. So you don't need to be the next fucking Chris Bumstead because that's an anomaly, you know? Hmm. Um, so get that idea out of your head and settle in for long haul. If you're making progress right now, great. Keep doing what you're doing and keep learning in the meantime. And as you learn and integrate yourself more in this community, this online world, eventually you're going to find the avenues to pursue, you know, get more in depth, whether that's through getting a coach or getting into PEDs a little bit more. Um, but be patient. That's, that's the biggest advice for somebody that age. Yeah. I think that's also the hardest advice for somebody that age to actually take and listen to and apply, right? Is because they're, they're seeing and feeling things. And again, they're making very emotional decisions a lot of times. And I, the social media piece just drives that constantly. Yeah. And it's a constant game of comparison. Who's better? What do I look like? Am I less? Am I enough? Yeah. You know, all those kind of that, that comparison game. But I think also the sport has evolved to cater more to the, the younger person yes. because of what you just said. Like, I think bodybuilding started to suffer there for a while because you started to see the same people over and over and over again, which were the very, very veteran folks. And occasionally you'd have a newcomer come in and he would have to... Yeah, more than cut his teeth, he would have to suffer for a very long time doing all the hard work with no reward yeah. outside of just being allowed to be on stage with these guys. And so they figured out like, hey, if we do, we were having amateur contests, but these guys are recognizing they're never going to be Ronnie Coleman. So they're dropping out and they're not staying in it longer term. So we need more divisions. So we need more divisions. Yeah. We need more competitions. We yep. opened up things like bikini instead of women's bodybuilding because there was obviously, that's a different yep. thing. Yeah, men's physique. physique yeah, classic. And yeah. classic. So we have these in-between things, which allows a younger, less mature, I mean that so, mentally, physically, emotionally yeah. athlete. In terms of musculature, yeah. To, to, to be competitive To sooner. be competitive. To yeah. not have to do a lot of the hard work, quite frankly. Like or, if I, if or if for I can, not as long. To be, to be fair to them, just not have to do it for as many years to get to a competitive standpoint. Yes, and not have to overcome what is almost always, unless you are one of these genetically very, very uh, privileged people in this particular sport, to overcome things like, bro, your legs are not even close to big enough. And I'm just going to use that as, <laughs> as one. So, yeah. okay, well, I can just cover my legs with some board shorts yeah. then, yeah. right? While I continue to work on them, but yes. I can still be competitive. And then can move up, yeah. Then I can move yeah. up versus, and I'm not saying like, Look, that's, that's a thing, right? Like, yeah, I'm not saying is. that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's physique. That is the competition. It's just part of the game now. Yeah. However, the guys that are looking to move up and move on or are training their legs and they are doing this and they are, they are, they are doing the work or whatever. But I think it allows somebody to like, well, if I can just keep stretching this without ever really doing that work, I can, you know, I can, can uh, apply these protocols. I can keep getting bigger up top and yep. I can yep. be competitive. And the longer I stay in this, the more chance I have of winning. Yeah. Again, the more recognition, the more instant gratification I'm getting online and elsewhere. And but so you're forth. able to feel like you're in it sooner. Correct. Which is important. Yeah. I'm what, part of the game. When I'm, I'm part of the club. I'm almost 30. I started training 10 years ago when I was 18, right? I'm 28. I couldn't fathom what 10 years looked like when I was 28 because a 10 year difference for me, or when I was 18, because a 10 year difference for me at that time was eight to 18. You know, that was like a lifetime. 
So that's really hard for a 20 year old to wrap their head around. Hey, you need to be in the game for, for the next 10 years. But if you say like three years, then you can get on stage and be competitive at a local show in men's physique. Well, three years I can wrap my head around. That's just, you know, a little less than high school. Right. And there's the availability of PEDs is, is, uh, is very good or high. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I mean, some of the stuff I see, like in these 22, 23, 24-year-old kids and the amount of, let's just say, progress they've made in the short period of time that they've made it is mind-blowing. Doesn't quite me. look God-given, does it? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I'm just saying it's wild. I remember this walking through the Olympia um, back in, this would have been like probably 90, 98, 99. It was, um, it was Dorian Yates' last show. Um, in Vegas. And I remember looking at Jay Cutler because at the time he was only, he was about my age. So it was like 23, 24, something yeah. like that. Sorry, he was a little younger than I was. And I remember like at the time just being so impressed, just going, right. but at the same time going, how the fuck yeah. does that guy look like that at that age? He had cracked the code on top of the fact that he, he picked was, good parents. He had picked great parents <laughs> and he was working really fucking hard. But my, the point of this was, is like, when you see that, then it gives hope, yeah. right? To, to the younger sure. folks. And it looks like, well, if he could do it, I can do it. And if he's doing it at this stage, how did he do it? I just want some of that. And a little bit, if I just had a little bit of that, what that guy has, I could be, you know, maybe sure. I could advance my, my standing here or my sure. status here. And geez, like once I get a little bit of a taste of that, like how, how quicker, how much quicker can I advance these results or whatever, going back to the, the the game of the drugs. And that's when things I think really start to escalate. And, but so I, you know, I asked the question because I think you nailed it. And that is the, both the media, right. Mm-hmm. This in the social media piece as well. And the business of all of this, whether it be the show promoters to the trainers or to the coaches, to the people supplying the supplements, to the mm-hmm. people supplying the gear mm-hmm. and all of those things stand to make a lot of money. And that has exponentially grown yeah. with everything else. So it makes it much more uh, accessible to the, to the younger athlete, yeah. which I think, well, I think we will see the end result of this. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is, is the education or that, in, that information and I want to say like the quality of information, is it being passed along as quickly as it's, as we're seeing the sport develop? Uh, I would say it wasn't at first, but the it's cool thing up. about, yeah. And it's, it's catching up fast um, because that's just how information is. One or two people start having success, making this information um, palatable to everybody and, and, you know, really, really getting it out there. And all of a sudden now they're all hopping on that same bandwagon too. Um, and so information spreads like wildfire. And so once there became a motive for good information to, you know, be out there, the financial motive, um, to, to put more than just overly simplified info out there, Uh but actually get into nuance a little bit and finding ways to deliver it. Um, you know, more and more people with the qualifications to do so hopped on that train so they can capitalize on that. And so there is a lot of good information out there. I mean, really, um, I, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more readily available than ever before. You still want to, you know, apply the litmus test of like, who is this person? What is their history? What are their qualifications? What is their motive for sharing this? Um, but also I think most young people today, they grew up with social media. And so they kind of have that yeah. bullshit detector built in that like my parents or my grandparents would not have had, you know, the, the kind of, uh, the, the tropes of like, um, you know, people, well, 
not, not to date you, but people in their, you know, Garota. My, my parents' age or older, right? Having having the the habit of like believing dumb shit, like bullshit they see on the Bro, internet. Oh, I have parents, and it's tough. Like Dude, it's tough having yeah, conversations yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, not that they're, and they are not stupid people. No, they're it's very just, intelligent people. It's they're just, just like, what am I looking at? Here? Because yeah. they're the majority of their life for information to be readily available like that had to be vetted. Um, in some way, you know, I had to go through a filter of like, this is acceptable to put out there. This is not. And, and there now, were consequences to, and to, to yeah, yeah. And now that's not the case, but the people who are growing up in these times have that built in. So that's a good point. I, I think so. Like, I so think giving we, them credit, I think we need to give them a little more credit than, Fuck yeah, I think than, you're right on with that, man. I, I'm guilty of not doing that probably. Yeah, me too. Because I remember being a dumb fucking 18 year old, you know? And so I'm like, oh, you must just be like, you must be just like me, but they grew up in a different time than me. And so maybe there were some things that I was better, you know, leveraged to be able to do because the times I grew up in, but they, same thing can be said for them. Just, you know, it's, it's a different world. The world is changing so fucking fast. Yeah, man. I mean, I can appreciate that. Like, and again, there are some things that really frustrate me on, on certain levels, but when it comes to information gathering and being able to resource that information, I got to tell you, like if my 11 year old, dude, like, or the 11 year old, dude, if we need, if we want some information on something, she can yeah. get. Yeah, she can get deep into some shit real fast, a lot faster than I can or yeah. mom can on yeah. a lot of, on a lot of a lot of cases. So, there, I think there's that that's a good thing, right? Yeah. And that that more of the information is shared, and with this sort of built-in bullshit meter or just experience or like we don't know any better. So, at the same at the same time, that kind of helps us to understand like where to go for that information and what to believe or what's entertainment versus what's what's valid or or, yeah. or um, legitimate. That's helpful in, in passing the the message forward. I, it still concerns me when people are putting things in their body that are not vetted and whatever totally, else. And totally. Again, I think when we're talking about a 25-year-old versus an 18-year-old, that's a big gap. There, there actually is a big gap there's, there. There's yeah. a major gap there. And right. sometimes sometimes I'm challenged by it, whether or not there is or not. But <laughs> that's just me being an old guy. That's fair. Uh, you know, or whatever. But the the point of that is, is like, I think you're you're making a really good point there. And so not to take away from these, these organizations, these these shows, these, these, uh, competitions that are, that are people out there doing and, or the coaches that are providing coaching to these guys, you know, that have had some experience along the way as so long as it remains like with good intention and as, and as safe as possible. Yeah, ethical. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And maintain, when I say safe, that is broad, but you know, safer you like safer than, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> try, safer trying to manage, you know, trying to mitigate, but, but I, I think, that, and I think that that's good for everybody, yeah. you know, sort of in the end. So you know, and I look at this world, you know, like I've never been, I, I, I learned early on, like I, I shared this with the, my buddy, Chris from Santa Cruz power fitness on the, uh, on the show, we were talking about just sort of our introduction to it when I was 18, you know, like, you know, whatever it was or a little younger, it was like watching the professional athletes and how they got involved with it. The, the Mark McGuire's, the Jose Canseco's, mm, some of the professional yeah, yeah. football players and whatever, Sammy Sosa's that Barry Bonds, all those guys and kind of what they were doing and, and the information what we were provided and how we got it was much different. It was not way. It was filtered through these the massive media. media conglomerates. Yeah. It was not. And now you know what they'll say about the media, right? It's so funny. People get their information from a totally unverified independent party on social media and spurn, you know, the Fox or the CNN or whatever. And in some cases, rightly so, but like you just have to have that litmus test now. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So you got to give, you got to give these guys some credit, right? Yeah. You got to give these guys some credit. And and so again, when I talk about this stuff going back, I mean, my thing was, is originally is like drugs are bad. Mm. Okay. Okay. You know? Yeah. And these are all the bad things that can happen to you when you, when you, when you do them. But we were watching like, 
Hold on a second. These guys are breaking Mark world McGuire's records. Fucking yeah. literally breaking world records. Barry Bonds. I've said this before. Like that beautiful baseball stadium up in San Francisco that we yeah. go up and watch the Giants games at. That is the fucking house that Barry Bonds built. Yeah. You know, by yeah. hitting all those home runs. And yeah. he kept doing it once he was there. Yeah. So you can shit on him all you want. But like if you're a Giants fan, right, and you go to that stadium and you're supporting that team and everything else, like you wouldn't be doing that if, if it, it wasn't, wasn't for that for him, legacy. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Like in large part. Yeah. Right. So like again, there's some there's some benefits to this. I was always I learned very quickly the athletes I think should set the standard in in this case unless the rules explicitly state you cannot have this substance in your body. Not not you're not supposed to take substances to enhance your body. That's too general. That's yeah. too vague. Yeah. Because to your point, when we open this up, we're all doing that at some level. Yes. Whether it's caffeine, yep. whether it's creatine, yep. whether it's an antidepressant, yep. whether it's whatever it happens to be, we're all we're all doing something every augment, day yep. to augment our our daily our human performance. Yeah, right at, at some level. So, you know, just and kind of wrapping this up with the PD conversation, I never wanted this and I never want this to be about like, this is what the drugs are. Mm. This is how much you take. This is what, that is fucking ridiculous. And that is a horrible way to be delivering information. It is. Right. Yeah. So, but at the same time, like if you're, if you're in the game and you're seriously in the game and you're looking as you just kind of described how you get out there and you look for, look for, for resources, the resources are available. But if you're in the physique game, right. And you're looking to, to, or you're thinking about dabbling in the physique game, the very first things we talked about, the most important are going to be the training and the nutrition coupled with supplementation. Yes. And then there's this other, there's other components that can be added once those things are dialed in. And once you have experience, knowledge, and at least some level of wisdom on how those things impact you, you know, going into the next level, there are ways to do that. I mentioned also at the top of the show that, you know, the physique programs that are located in our online membership, uh, are written and designed by you. They include a lot of the nuance, which we have covered in detail in another podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that one, or you want to listen to that one, uh, we did that one previously about the physique program um, and programs and and how those programs are organized, the meat and potatoes, Mm -hmm. and what you should expect, what you shouldn't expect, and how to apply these long-term. From a general perspective, for people like, yeah, you know, like I said, like people really love that program. They're Mm -hmm. like, this feels good. It looks normal. It's not weird. It's, it, it's again, there's a confirmation bias of I see other people doing very similar programs, right? And they're getting great results. So this makes sense to me versus some of the other nuanced programs, you know, that we have within our, within our, within our membership and otherwise. And then, and people can go to rdftrainonline.com. They can check that out if they if they like. Um, you can get a free trial there, a uh, free one-week trial, which gives you some a little bit of a peek inside what that program is. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if you do that trial, we give you a discount on your membership. If you if you do that, it is very affordable. Um, you know, it's 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 uh I think and I think it's fairly priced. If people are looking for one-on-one coaching yeah. in this world, yeah. in physique training you're thinking about it, getting into a competition or you've been competing and you're looking to take it to the next level and you need or want some Caleb in your life, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, Instagram is going to be the best for right now. Um, that's basically what I use in my landing page. So uh, I go there. There's a link in my bio to fill out an athlete intake form. Fill that out. I'll get back to you within a day on next steps uh, for moving forward. If you have any questions, just jump in the DMs there. Um, I'm pretty responsive there. If, you know, For message requests, give me a little bit of time. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I can send you documents on what the coaching process looks like if you're a little unsure and really lays yeah. all that out. Um, 
Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the website. I've seen the, I've seen the forms. I've seen the information, the FAQs, all the work, all the time, the professionalism that's been put into designing it. I've also, if you go back to what you were saying, what Caleb was saying earlier about like, how do you sort of vet? How do you, how do you get through the sniff test Mm -hmm. or the, or the litmus test? Just go to the Instagram page. Yep. Right. And, and scroll through there. Look at some of the images, right? Watch some of the videos. You're like, like we're hearing you talk now. Like that's one of the things I love about you. Whenever you put up a post, um, you, you go to great lengths to making sure you're providing value within those posts. Very, very few of, some of them are just basic check-in human posts or totally, whatever. But yeah, I am a, I'm your, a person, so. Yeah, you yeah, are a person, you're not a robot. Everybody. But when you look at like the information provided on training, mm-hmm. right, on the whys, mm-hmm. uh, why you do things from a rationale perspective, uh, you go into a lot of depth there. And I, I think people can gain a lot of value just by simply listening to the videos and watching the things, whether or not they're buying anything from you or not, you're putting sure. out a lot of information for free. Yeah. Free value. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I look forward to doing more of that with you collaborate collaboratively as we continue to put out information to try to provide people direction, some answers, and at least maybe uh, some information so that they can ask more informed questions as they go through their journey and in time. And I think with that, you know, maybe we see some programming, some more programming. Again, we've I mentioned the physique program. There's recently a 2.0 version. That's true. That we've just added there. So start with the 1.0. Yep. Move to the, the 2.0. The You've literally got like six months of programming in there. Yeah. It's very easy to follow. We cover the nuance in there in detail. And we're actually going to be, after we record this, we're actually going to be spending some time together in the gym doing some uh, some video tutorials and things like that for people to understand that nuance at a deeper level. So. Yeah. Caleb, I appreciate your time. It's been a long day today. Yes. Thanks for... Uh, always, always though. Yeah, thanks for doing that. It's time for us to get out of here and feed the machines. Let's do it. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks. Yeah, you take care. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.